The Morning Coffee is a podcast recorded live slash streamed at twitch.tv slash Ryan Kubo every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. All articles used during the show are credited in the show notes below in the description. We hope you enjoy this episode. What's up, guys? How's it going? Ryan here back with you again with another episode of The Morning Coffee for Thursday, April 4th, 2019. Good morning, guys. Hope everyone is doing well wherever you may be listening to this podcast. I hope that everything is treating you well, and I hope that this episode can get you through the rest of your week for sure. Um, just wanted to kind of start off by giving down the rundown of the, the usual announcements. We are on Spotify and iTunes. Most of you guys are probably coming from there. So if you guys want to check that out, go check out Spotify and iTunes. Uh, we also stream this podcast as well as record it live on YouTube or on Twitch, I should say, twitch.tv slash Ryan Kubo as well. So go and check that out as well. Um, be really appreciative if you guys could go and do that. Um, it's the best way to check out the podcast and other various podcasts that we record on this channel, as well as just um, video games and stuff like that. We did have uh, no episode last Thursday, but when we don't have an episode, we still stream and call it the morning coffee. So definitely go check that out, twitch.tv slash Ryan Kubo. Anyway, guys, we have some uh, pretty short articles, but I thought they were pretty good and some stuff that we could talk about as well. So let's just jump right into it. So, first article of the day, free NES titles for Switch Online subscribers revealed for April. So, if you guys didn't know, Nintendo Switch has an online service now, which is uh, something that you need to pay for. Uh, it is fairly cheap. It is $20 for one whole year of it, and with that, you get some online accessibility, but you also get this thing called uh, the Nintendo uh, Entertainment System like online thing where you can get access to a bunch of Nintendo games. Uh, right now, it's just classic NES games that are being unveiled and nothing more than that. But overall, it's had a great lineup uh, for now. If you guys didn't know, also, there is a controller that you can get for your uh, Nintendo Switch, which is a wireless classic NES controller. The three games that were announced this month are Punch-Out, uh, Super Mario The Lost Levels, which I believe is called Super Mario 2 in the States, and a shoot-em-up called Star Soldier. Beyond that, they have all the other classic Super Mario games, a lot of the mainstream games as well. So overall, the whole feel of the... Um, of the Switch lineup for NES games is pretty cool. So it is one of the biggest perks for signing up for the Nintendo Switch Online Club. A subscription is very cheap comparatively to, um, you know, to everything else. It is $4 a month, uh, $8 for three months, and then $20 for one year. If you guys also want to do a family membership, you can link up to eight Nintendo accounts, and it costs $35 for a year. So overall, pretty cool. For me personally, I don't really play a lot online uh, when it comes to consoles in general or my Nintendo Switch, but this might be something you might want to get you also have uh exclusive games that are on the nintendo switch as well um that come when you sign up for the nintendo switch online i believe the most popular one right now would probably be tetris 99 which is a battle royale like tetris game which if you guys haven't heard of is super fun and is a very good game to get into um overall i think maybe sometime in the future i would get a nintendo switch online 
uh, subscription. Uh, my only thing is that my Nintendo Switch is currently not in my room. It's out in the living room where other family members and stuff can play with it and utilize it. So maybe if I get a capture card and we start streaming on Twitch, I can justify um, moving it over to the streaming room and getting a little bit better of an internet connection as well. Because a lot of times as well, my internet connection is just not the greatest when it comes to that sort of stuff. So uh, yeah, but go check it out. Those games are free to access if you guys do have your online subscription activated. Uh, keep in mind as well that um, any games that are announced today or in the past or present or future are also going to be um, you know, available whenever you guys sign up. So the library is only just going to get bigger, which is kind of nice as well. Uh, next up, this is pretty much a, a, a no-brains article, but it kind of shows the changing in the gaming industry but GameStop lost a lot of money they're down 673 million dollars in 2018 and apparently that was um for the fiscal 2018 year it said net sales were down three percent to 8.29 billion new hardware sales dropped one percent and new software is down five percent now the thing is that um you know the article is kind of clickbaity in the sense or whatever yes they are down 673 million dollars which is a ton of money obviously and is worth like a lot to the company but at the same time they still made uh 8.29 billion <laughs> so yes they are down three percent but it doesn't mean that like gamestop i think is going anywhere like anytime soon um if you know some people were kind of like celebrating that or like cheering that on or whatever that this might be like the end of gamestop or whatever um so you know it is one of those type of things that ends up happening um but, um, yeah, uh, the numbers show that 2018 was historically unkind to GameStop. Prior to 2018, GameStop's worst physical year was in 2012 um, when it reported net loss of $269.7 million. The only, other, uh, other, bleh, the only other unprofitable year in GameStop's history was 2000 when the company was much smaller and lost $7 million. So, I mean, overall, it, it it's one of those things where you think that it's going to be like super super bad <laughs> but at the same time they made like a ton ton of money or whatever so sales were down three percent to 8.29 billion but at the end of the day it doesn't really matter it doesn't really matter right they lost some money but uh overall they gained a lot or whatever <clears throat> they said that um GameStop has been in dire straits for a while as the rise of digital distribution cannibalizes its pre-owned sales models that were shrinking used game markets is alarming for GameStop, who hitched its wagon to this trend many years ago. CEO and CFO Rob Lloyd told investors, we recognize the challenges facing our pre-owned video game business and are prepared to address them as we continue to evolve our business model going forward. Pretty standard answer. I'm not really sure what that means at all. <laughs> so that's one of the... Um, like one of the issues that you could definitely see within this industry is trying to like adapt to that type of stuff. <clears throat> so, um, you know, the digital market is just going to be like more and more um, prevalent within the gaming community. Uh, we're going to see that a lot. I want to say um, at the same time, you're also going to um, see that cutting into like just brick and mortar stores i feel like a lot of like um purchases from gamestop are probably done by parents <clears throat> who don't want their kids to have like access to a plethora of online media which makes a ton of sense in my opinion you're probably also going to see a lot of um 
like old, just older people in general, I feel like still partake in GameStop or I guess what we could kind of call the normie audience. I know that a lot of people are still going to game stores because they don't want to buy a digital version. They want to buy a game, uh, like a physical copy of the game and they want it now. So they just buy it from GameStop. Me personally, um, if I do ever buy a physical game, because I'm kind of the same way as well, it just ends up being pre-ordered on my Nintendo's like through Amazon as a physical copy and then comes to my door the same day anyway. <laughs> so for me, I haven't really stepped into a GameStop in a while. The only times I usually step in is literally for what this article said, the pre-owned market, right? Which has also been a big controversy because with the pre-owned market, you know, you're selling your game back to GameStop, which uh, I technically, there's been debate whether that's even legal because you technically don't own the game. You own a copyright to the game, but there's some loopholes that have been addressed with that. And then your GameStop is selling those pre-owned games back to people. And the ones who make all the money from that are GameStop. The developer doesn't make any money from the, the secondhand or used market as well. And having kind of the digital type of collections and stuff like that in digital online stores, um, it makes it so that the developers are insured money uh, as the years go by as well. So <clears throat> we'll have to see if there's ever a crackdown on the used market. I don't really think that would ever happen, but it is a possibility that could happen or whatever. But yeah, like I said, um, at the end of the day, yes, they've lost uh, quite a bit of money, $673 million. But at the same time, you are looking at, um, you know, overall, they made a ton of money still. But it is uh, interesting talking point to springboard off of to talk about just the ever-changing times. I remember when GameStop was, like, really, really popular, uh, at least for me as a child and stuff, and um, always going there. That in EB Games, which I'm probably dating myself a little bit to. But, um, yeah, the digital market seems to be, like, really the king or whatever <laughs> this time around. Um, Next up, and this is kind of like, we talked about this a lot, but it's like, this is kind of one of those things where it's like, oh man, like we keep bringing this up. We keep like beating this like dead horse or whatever, which like really, really sucks or whatever. And, uh, you know, a mid player counts of 300 or less of valve vows to fix artifact. So if you guys didn't know artifact, um, which has been covered extensively on this podcast as well, um, came out uh, to roaring, you know, hype. And stuff like that they had a couple of tournaments before it was even released uh, and i think it really started from those tournaments and uh, you had a lot of pro players uh from magic and dota and hearthstone and other card games come out and uh, have been having access to the game for like a year plus but on nda and when the tournament finally came around it was so confusing what was going on the hype was pretty big but then it ended up just like dying out and never really recurring. And I think from there, that was kind of the slow decline of why Artifact failed. But it launched in November of 2018. It probably had hype for about two weeks. And then the numbers just started slowly plummeting. And nowadays, um, this article claims less than 300. I haven't checked Steam charts in a while, but usually it's like a peak of 500 players uh, in a 24-hour high with probably like between anywhere between 300 to 400 like concurrent viewers. So, um, yeah, it's at less than 300 players, which is not acceptable for a Valve game, right? Valve, any of their games are super immensely popular, and I think there's a lot of reasons why. And this article kind of covers a lot, right? We've already kind of gone over a lot of this stuff, but the game is $20 to play. Plus, uh, once you pay that $20, then you are bombarded with the typical microtransactions that come with a free-to-play card game. Um, so you're also looking at that as well. 
um, which is like a giant issue um, when there's so much competition or whatever. They said artifact represents large discrepancy between our expectations for how one of our games would be received and the actual outcome. But we don't think that players misunderstand a game or that they're playing it wrong. Artifact now represents an opportunity for us to improve our craft and use that knowledge to build better games, is what they said. The thing is uh, that you have to remember as well is that uh, Valve is not a game developer, right? They don't really develop a lot of their own games anymore. A lot of their popular games they acquired from mods, right? Um, you know, Counter-Strike being a Half-Life mod, Team Fortress being, um, you know, a Half-Life mod as well, uh, and then kind of building on those type of things or whatever, right, and changing them drastically. Dota, Dota 2, right, was a mod from a Blizzard game. Left 4 Dead was technically a mod from a counter, like a Counter-Strike thing, right? So they keep having to yoink IPs and, um, you know, stuff from other, like, the mod community and then just kind of, like, buying them out. We even saw them, like, thinking or looking at buying Dota Auto Chess as well. So it's one of those things where it's, like, pretty debatable whether or not they could really develop their own game from the ground up anymore. But, um... You know, they said that they are looking carefully at player interaction. As I said, that continuing to just release content without fixing it just won't work. The larger steps are needed, and what moving forward Valve will be, uh, Valve will be heads down focusing on addressing the core of Artifact. Not really sure once again what that means. Uh, I know that they invited out prominent uh, streamers like Life Coach and stuff to address the game, and he was saying, oh, "I'm pretty hopeful for the game and stuff like that, etc., etc." Thing being, though, that at the same time, we haven't really heard anything from them since then. Their Twitter has pretty much been dead, and uh, all social media has been dead. Apparently, there was supposed to be a $1 million tournament circuit happening next or last month in March, which never came to fruition as well. You guys remember they announced a $1 million prize pool, um, but yeah, nothing came about that, and we haven't heard anything since. And it seems like a lot of the artifact streamers or at least the like prevalent ones have just finally kind of like moved to um, Dota Auto Chess as well. So we'll see what happens. We'll keep you guys updated on Artifact and maybe there's some type of rebranding. But in my opinion, I feel like it's too little too late. Uh, I feel like this article is probably just saying, um, you know, we're giving it the best we can, but we weren't able to salvage it. We will be moving on to another project within, uh, you know, valve or something like that and kind of move on from there um so next up this article is a little bit out of date because it came out yesterday so this is actually today but real money transactions are coming to battlefield 5 today so ea you know owns battlefield dice and ea are launching a battlefield currency on april 4th which is today the time of the recording of this podcast that uses real money for purchases not just a virtual company coins you earn through gameplay at first it'll be used strictly for cosmetics but later however it'll be used for items with um, effects on gameplay and so just keep that in mind Val or EA, I don't know why you keep doing this. I don't keep know why you keep pushing the thing uh, because probably it makes a lot of money for you. I understand that. I feel like it's sometimes a small vocal minority that really, um, you know, is talking about or against loot boxes because they seem to be so successful with how you end up doing things and stuff like that. But you gotta stop doing this ea ridiculous so maybe there'll be a backlash we'll probably report on this story uh later to give you more updates but keep that in mind 
uh, your Battlefield 5 experience might be changing drastically now within the next, uh, I want to say, you know, week or two, or even now currently, since this is technically already out. Uh, last up, we do have more information on Borderlands 3, and it looks like all the rumors are true, for better or worse. And I know a lot of people were complaining about this for sure. Uh, you know, me included, I think it's an interesting take though, that we should address. So Borderlands 3 is coming out. It is coming out September 13th. Looks like the leaks were definitely true about it. It is coming out September 13th on uh, PC, Xbox, and PlayStation 4. Uh, we know that it's going to be around $60. We know that the game will have uh, it'll have level scaling for co-op, split screen, and online mode so, uh, for everything. Now, the big thing that is the problem with this and the controversy is that you guys didn't know there is a store called the Epic Store. We've talked about it many times on this podcast as well. That is starting to compete with Steam. And unfortunately, we now have this thing where there's digital exclusive rights to third-party games, which I find very confusing, right? Um, from a console standpoint, I understand there's Xbox, there's PS4. One's owned by Sony, one's owned by Microsoft. So if Sony owns an IP, they may, may release that IP just on their console, which makes sense. If something's owned by Microsoft, like let's say Halo, they might just release that on just their console. Makes sense, it drives with the sales of their console. But when it comes to digital markets, it's very strange that Borderlands 3, which is made by Gearbox, right? Which is made by like 2K or something like that, I believe. Um, you know, isn't you know, a Steam game, it isn't Valve, and it isn't an Epic game, which is kind of interesting, but uh, at least from what I understand, and yet it will be exclusively on the Epic Game Store on September 13th, 2019, and that will go until April of 2026, about six months later, where the game will then be released, I'm assuming, through Steam. So all of a sudden now we have exclusive digital rights on games. Um, I know that a lot of people like the Epic Store, but I know also a lot of people don't like the Epic Store because of stuff like user ratings, no screenshotting, et cetera, et cetera, and a myriad of other things or whatever, you know, uh, that are make the Epic Game Store less than ideal. For me personally, we kind of talked about this in the last podcast, but I'm not a huge Borderlands 3 person. So for me personally, I wouldn't be buying the game anyway. Maybe by the time I get the game, it will be six months later on Steam and I'll be more inclined to purchase it um overall though i know that a lot of you know i think it will be interesting um i think the problem that i have with this is that um i don't really like the fact that possibly there might not be any interconnective play we haven't heard about that yet right but uh i hope that there's cross-platform cross-platforming play i hope that if i get the game eventually for steam that um, I could play with people that are on the Epic Game Store, which I doubt that that's going to happen because you have this do it be invite. So I hope that's not the case. It kind of sucks or whatever. That's going to disjoint the community even more. But uh, oh, and maybe people will have to buy like a couple copies each. But overall, you wish the best for Borderlands. Um, it doesn't look like anything is going to be changing as well. So rip uh, you guys who are super excited about it. But um, yeah, anyway. GG, uh, good luck with that. We'll keep you guys updated on this article as well if we get any other further information. Uh, anyway, guys, that is going to be it, though, for this episode of The Morning Coffee. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and watching. Uh, before we go, as always, I am on um, you know, Twitch, Twitter, and Instagram at Ryan Kubo. Uh, you can also find us on YouTube at Shigeos, S-H-I-G-E-O-S, Twitch TV. 
And also, as always, you can check us out on Spotify and iTunes. All those links will be down in the episode description down below. Hope you guys have a great weekend. Stay safe out there this next, uh, this coming weekend, I should say. And I will see you guys Tuesday morning for another episode of The Morning Coffee. Take care, guys.